If you could smell like one bad thing for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Uh, uh, candy. Uh, a skunk. Socks. You know, I went with a safe one. Skunk? The skunk? That's because, not safe. No, because have you ever smelled a skunk? No, but... Have you? Have you? No. No. So then it's a surprise. Okay, so, but if it's... But so like, I don't know, I don't know how bad it could be. So maybe it's, you know, bearable because I've never smelled it before. Mine's but also socks, safe too. Like, socks is gross, bro. You don't... Some people might like the smell of the Have socks. you ever ate socks before? Like the, the socks... Hold on. The jelly beans. Yeah, I mean, we all ate them, right? Yeah. It's just gross. But like... That was like really bad stuff, bro. But it, that's relative. To, I, to I said candy because candy is bad, right? <laughs> oh my God. Candy is bad for you. Cheated. So... You said candy? Yeah, because like candy is bad for you. Wrong. And Wrong. so... Wrong. You lose. <laughs> Actually, this... Every time no, we I ask win because now I'm going to be smelling like candy. You cheated. Actually, every time we ask these questions, we've been like passing. But once you like completely fail to answer the question the correct way you 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 lose you're wrong you're kicked out of the podcast. i didn't lose. I, I, I gave the a only, really the one smart and only condition answer. we have on this podcast to stay on as a co-host is answer the question i did answer the with question respect. You with disrespect, respect you disrespected the question you disrespected the question actually i thought about it in a deeper way Amber, you guys didn't even Amber, think the about the board of directors has spoken directors okay honestly the board of directors need to get off their high horse when I say that... You're not even on the horse. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> if you don't shut up. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Strange Flavors. Welcome back. <laughs> what, <I feel> like, <laughs> what? What happened? I feel like I'm actually doing like a like the, one of those Pakistani drama shows. <laughs> welcome. Like, welcome. Welcome back to another very exciting... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. For this very good... Excellent, mind-blowing, fantastic, wonderful episode of Strange Flavors. Yay. Brought to you by the Aleph Theory. Oh my my name is Frost. My name is Shimander. <laughs> Shimander, yo, that's My hype. name is Amber. Yo, hold up, Shimander. Let's go back to that. <laughs> oh my God. The entire, yo, I'm naming my son He just son came back Shimander. from Pakistan. That's, and like, he... that's like Shamir, king of all oceans. No, he's going to name Because Shamander is that. ocean in oh, Urdu. It is. I didn't even so, think about it. So Shamander is like <laughs> conqueror of, you're like a Poseidon, the Desi Poseidon. Shamander. <laughs> think about it. My name is Shamander, Greek god, oh. Pakistani god. I'm Pakistani Bro. god of oceans. Um, uh, guys, thank you for. I don't know why I always say tuning in because nobody's tuning these days. They are subscribed. They are clicking in. Thank you for clicking in. Thank you for swiping up in. Some people are swiping in. Or so thank you for swiping in. Tapping in. Tapping in. Tapping in. I like that. Thank you for tapping in. Or asking Siri to play us. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Alexa. Or Alexa. We uh, oh, cool. we're guys. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter and uh, YouTube, uh, and we recently had a contest there. So make sure you're following us there. Um, we're strange flavors on everything. You can look us up, and we show up because um, we got that clout now. Oh, snap. So the clout. So subscribe to us, like us, um, and subscribe. follow us on all those things. And the contest, uh, which we announced on our Instagram, but it was on YouTube, on was YouTube. that you leave a comment. Uh, you know, giving feedback on one of the subjects that we talked about during our strange exchange, and we put it in a random name generator comment selector thing, 
and the uh, algorithm came out. The metrics. The metrics show that the winner is. Can I get a drum roll? The winner is. Actually, we ran out of hats. There's no. Just kidding. The winner is Muhammad Ahmed. Congrats, Muhammad. And thank you for that comment. Um, about you, you weighed in on Kim Kardashian, and that was great feedback. We what a powerful name! What Kim Kardashian? <laughs> no. Oh. Oh. No. Kim Kardashian. Oh, Shamander. No. Shamander. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, congrats on that hat. Uh, make sure you email us, uh, and we will ship it to you for free, no cost at all. Thank you. Um, we got some shows coming up, people. Hey. So make sure to come out to those. They're going to be super exciting. Uh, later this week, actually, we are performing at Towson University right around in Baltimore. Oh, so Baltimore. that's on March 31st. Um, actually, that morning, you might catch us in or around ICNA convention, um, which is happening in Baltimore. And later on, you can catch our show at Towson. So uh, get those tickets and come out and see us. April 3rd, we're going to University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Um, so if you're in that area, come out, say what's up, enjoy a nice Nice, lovely show. Uh, April 13th, <laughs> University of Maryland, College Park. It's also going to be a lovely show. Swag. This one is very lovely, too. Uh, always uh, lots of love from UMD. And April 19th, we are going to UMBC, also in the Baltimore Swag. area. So, people, okay. come Swag. out, have some fun with us. Kick it. Swag. Especially if you're in Karachi. Speaking of, Karachi. the man that sang that line, the famous lyric, you... Shamander, we're actually kicking it in the Karachi and kicking. all over Pakistan. You went like everywhere recently. Yeah. First of all, welcome back. It's good to hear your Thank snaily you. voice. I'm glad to so be back. And I how was the you guys too. How was the march? All the viewers. And the march was very successful. Okay. Uh, a lot of followers came out through this time. I think last time I did a march, no one came through, so it was just me. Wow. But Aww. you know, this is a movement. So international, there has international been more success. International movement, yeah. So Snail is united. Snail is united. I think we need more Snail support. Snail for our lives. Support nationally. Um, okay. We need more support for that. So uh, follow my GoFundMe. It's linked in the description of the snail march and we can incredible march. incredible yeah. beautiful um i think everybody is really dying to know about your uh reaper <laughs> bro <laughs> reproductive um digestive system i think everybody was dying to know about your digestive you system uh how is that is it still functional <laughs> after taking the trip and having all these wonderful uh, foreign spices and liquids it, and solids going through your continue. It, it's just I don't know, like intestines. I've never visited the bathroom that much. In, like, like in how many weeks. times a day do you think you're going? Probably like you know seven or eight. Did you times. plan your day around it? Wow, I I had to plan. Yeah, I guess so. Like I I had to have to make sure there was a toilet, like a good toilet mm -hmm. nearby, okay. uh, wherever we were going, or were that we were, were you squatting to. Um, so. I was at the airport and you know there's these toilets on the floor right it's just holes on the floor right that you're supposed to squat there you're supposed to squat in your business and i was at the airport and i was wearing my jeans and shoes oh man so that's the wrong ideal and because you have to take it because all off. you have to take it all off wait why do you have to take it all off because because otherwise you're gonna go in your pants you're gonna pee in your no, you just, you're gonna pee in your pants no even you if don't. you have to take it yeah wait 
You're going to pee on your pants. No. If you have, take it. Amber, you don't know. The system is different for the male species. I can demonstrate it right now. Okay. But you're going to hit your pants. Like, if you squat. But especially for guys, I feel like it'd be, like, easier to not piss in your pants. That The society has been made so that you have to wear san- chappals, which is sandals, <laughs> and you have to wear, like, you know, very easily take off The parachute pants. Parachute pants. Okay. And so... So just slip off. When, you guys, when you I got take the, off your pants to go to the bathroom? When I got to the off? stall... When you squat? When I got to the... You st- take them off. I'm sorry. You have, you have to, to. Because, look, I, I got there, right? It's the first time I'm hearing I this. I got there, right? And I was like, all right, I'm so excited because I'm excited to try it out. So I, I pull it half down. <laughs> show me. I vlog that too? <laughs> no. I pull it half down and I realize this is not going to work out. And the floor was so dirty that I cannot take off my shoes. And they were chucks, so they're like tightly, like it's going to be hard and everything. So I'm like, all right, I have an hour and a half from to get to Karachi to Lahore. And that's how long the plane, the flight was. So I was like, all right, I'll just hold it and do it in the, ba- uh, in the airplane. So then I go in the airplane, right? And there's a hole in the ground on the airplane. No, no. <laughs> and so then the back bathroom was blocked because there was a lady. She was like giving out drinks and whatnot. And so I asked the hostess if there was a restroom in the front. Mm-hmm. These people don't know what restroom is. Mm-hmm. So she said they don't. They say washroom. Mm-hmm. And so restroom is a totally different concept to them even though i mean washroom and so i'm like is there a restroom in the front and she says no we don't have restrooms at all (laughs) (laughs) she's thinking it's like a resting room yeah like okay and and so i'm like what my mind's blown like i thought there was a bathroom in there Mm -hmm. because what every airplane has a bathroom but she said there's no restroom. So I was like, okay, maybe there's no restrooms in this airplane She's at all. messing with... That's like stupid. No, no. She really not did know. not know what restroom like, is. Like you're flying on a... Pl- you're a hostess Bro. on an international flight. You don't know what a restroom is. It wasn't is. international. He was flying from Lahore to yeah. Karachi. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe these one-hour flights don't have bathrooms. And um, so... like so you held it? I held it. And as soon as I got off... Boy. The Lahore airport had nice toilets, so... I was like, Karachi Airport? Karachi Airport did not. That that was where the whole Uh, But Lahore Airport had the toilet. So I did my business and that was not fun either, but it happened and I'm glad it was over. And yes. Did you adjust finally or? I'm still adjusting mentally, man. There's just the whole society and everything. What was the first thing that you like were thankful to have back when you came back to America? Fully functioning like shower um, and toilet. Were you doing like bucket work? You were like yeah, scooping I was doing water and pouring it on And sometimes hand. like the water, um, Slow. I forgot what the heater thing is called. But Geezer? Yeah, yeah th- that. And then um, that wasn't working, so it'd be really cold water. Oh, and it'd yeah. come out from like one little tube, like drips of water <laughs> just coming down. So like I'd have to wash, wash my whole body and it took like an hour just to clean from like one drip coming down. Yeah, you have to do the bucket and just yeah. pour it over your head. So I'm just like, oh. All right, we're, we're, we're getting into too much of the uh, the bad things, but <laughs> the like, what was, technicals. I'm sure, like, was it a, a good experience for you to finally go back after a long time? Definitely. Um, what was, like, the greatest thing that like, you, or, like, unexpected thing that you, you know, really found um, surreal or? I think it's the whole, like, classical history in Lahore and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was, like, really awesome. I didn't even so, know. like, the Lahore Fort and, like. Yeah, the Lahore Fort and the old mosques and stuff like that. And then Murray was, like, like a movie. 
Aww. it was like all yeah. mountains and stuff like that mm. and we were on top of the mountains looking at nice views and there was a nice road from lahore to um murray and it was just very beautiful scenic like typical stuff that'd be on your iphone like mm. wallpapers and stuff like that it was just really dope and fascinating like what was your favorite thing um like each of these different cities that there was like different things you know um i think karachi was like the many different walks of life that were there like you've had punjabis you had this and that and just so many different people all in one and it's a huge city like so many people packed and the fact that our i, I mean it's kind of like bad and good but the traffic mm-hmm. like how traffic is held no one follows the laws or anything but the fact that people can get to play a to b and like everyone just understands each other but they're still yelling at each other mm-hmm. and the fact that the society is functioning still like if that happened here like we would not function at all right. but over there like everyone's yelling at each other driving through like getting through you know little Did cracks the traffic and stuff. give you anxiety uh dude over yeah. here if you like if you even honk at somebody their entire day is ruined <laughs> yeah they exactly. tell all their coworkers about it yeah. Like, Nancy, you would not believe what happened to me. <laughs> you know, on the way here today, I was just like, this lady was driving slow, so I just like went around her. And she, and we met up at a stoplight. You know, it's oh, the worst when you yeah. <laughs> She's honking. And I look over. She's like, pull your window down. Pull your window <laughs> down. <laughs> and I'm just like looking at her. I was like, yo, chill. It's okay. People are making music with the honks. They're like. But in Pakistan, <laughs> it's like, if you don't honk, yeah, you, you can't like, yeah. survive. You're not going to get through. Yeah, you're, you can't get anywhere. Yeah, In Kashmir, yeah. you can't see past the corner. So you have to honk every time you go to a corner. Which oh, is, it's sucks. a mountain. So you're constantly going. So as you're driving, you're constantly honking. Yeah. So overall, do you think that Pakistan was just like similar to what you thought it was going to be or did, was it completely different it was similar to what i would thought it would be but as an older person and someone who's very analytical um i like overanalyzed a lot of things and like how sociological structures worked and whatnot as mm-hmm. a kid i couldn't you know perceive that but how people function and how p- people are perceiving life um i think that was different from what i was kind of expecting and somebody who is going to analyze that community a lot further is our guest today um she is an artist who also uses her experience um in mental health to advocate for south asian woman mental health community all these things all the words combine them in one that is gunvagori she's here to share her perspective and experiences with us today and Tell us what she hopes for in the future. So everybody, please welcome Gunva. Let's um, start with these glasses. You've got the you've got the red, pink actually. You've got the ten percent pinkish red. Ten percent red glasses. Uh, iconic on Snapchat in <laughs> real life now. Be... I mean, I use them. Does anybody else? Mm-hmm. I do. They're great. I haven't been on Snapchat in a few months. So I actually don't know if oh, there's no. a filter with oh, these. Oh, Snapchat. So honestly, what they did with Rihanna. So how does how does that affect your mood? Okay, so red tinted glasses have been known to like reduce migraines. It's a thing, and like it, I have a bad habit of working straight for too many hours on whatever millions of things I'm doing and I forgot to eat and drink so this reduces my migraines first of all and second of all you know the whole like um what's the saying like rose tinted roses are red 
No. Violets <laughs> like, are blue. Like, wait. And I, no, okay. So uh, These basically. These Snapchat glasses are too cool for you. Ooh. Thank Bars. you. Um, so basically, it like let, everything's warm. Do you guys understand like color spectrum and stuff? Y'all are. You mean everything's creative. warm. Oh, like in your like eyes. Warm. Oh, yeah. Everything's like warm. everything's warmer. Like when you guys were talking about colors earlier, in my head, I was like, everything seems really nice to me. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, but so that's like. To... But isn't that like because when everything is like blue, then you're more like relaxed? Not necessarily. Uh, warm colors evoke more like happiness and like. Um, and, and a lot of like cool colors, like a lot oh, of okay. yellows and stuff will in like in greens, like harsh greens and induce migraines and are actually not really great for like certain mental states. <laughs> so you don't feel more angry with them on. Yeah, I have a, I'm not, um, I don't have short temper anyways, but when I get mad, I get really bad, but like getting me there, it's like takes a lot. Um, but no, I just, I just feel like everything's just like calm. I'll like take them off and realize like how cold like visually how cold, cold the spaces that i'm in <laughs> i'm a so you painter can't live I, can't, I just got them like a week and a half have you tried other ago. tints no i recommend you try other tints and like and then, give a and review then you get, and then you get back to me and just let me know like hey this is how i'm feeling this week this that is the tint. i got the green tint on this week there's research already done on this maybe, i don't need to recreate the wheel look it up there's tint. like this one oh, is known to reduce migraine yeah that's what i'm saying like maybe you get the green actually, tint and then you make like mad amount of money I don't think I don't think that's how that works, but you can try. Do it. Okay, you're talking about you do a lot of stuff. What's that stuff? Okay, so in a nutshell-ish, label-wise, I'm a psychological anthropologist and a creative. Um, as an anthropologist, I look at South Asian American communities and I look at identity formation um, and mental health narratives in South Asian American women, typically daughters, typically, and second generation, typically second generation, meaning children of immigrants that are first generation. Um, so that's the bulk of what I do. If I had to give you a thesis of what everything that I do goes back to, it's always mental health in the South Asian American community and or in immigrant communities. So I also am a trained, I'm, I'm trained as an oil painter, but I also film make and um, do like digital illustrations among other things. I recently started a podcast, as you may or may not know, um, and that is on, it's a story-based podcast. So people around the US, South Asians, Americans, submit their stories for the podcast. And then I talk with an expert or a professional in the Asian American studies field or in the mental health field, and we discuss thematically things in the piece. And then a lot of the experts will um, oftentimes willingly share their own stories. Uh, why, do, why do you gravitate towards that specific thing that you're saying that like you know, it boils down to the mental health in the South Asian community? Um, I do want to just note South Asian American because South Asian diasporas are so okay. different everywhere. And South Asian in South Asia, while I have done some research in Pakistan, is very different, right? Like our experiences and our identities and like the different things that have led us to where we are are very different here. So yeah. So Indian American, Pakistani American, Bengali American. I do. Over, yeah. I do all South Asian American, but I have done like my thesis was on South Asian American. And Muslim. your background is what? I'm a second generation Pakistani American Muslim born raised here I was born in Pakistan so tech but I was three months when I came here so identity okay. wise I'm second gen because um, all my memories are from here mm. um, but I was born in Punjab Pakistan Punjab good job <laughs> um, yeah you. so like what why is that so important to you why do you gravitate towards that I don't know I think I remember in high school getting really into mental health and, and 
as like an abstract thing, not something that I could go into career-wise, I feel like I thought, um, but it was something I was very passionate about um, because I would see, not to make it so, um, not to like boil it down just to this, but our community is very hateful. Like they can be very like, like our community thrives on um, like gossiping and competition and these really um, negative kind of practices that in my, you know, circles, I had seen such negative uh, consequences of those things on people's health. And I think I was very just always interested in that and and just like how I'm a practicing Muslim. So just how my dad and mom, but I'm very close to my dad. So how we would talk about Islam and just like honesty and um, doing good by people. And so when I went to college. Um, I, I was involved in a lot of Asian American mental health uh, uh, volunteering and nonprofits and internships because I realized that South Asian Americans have very similar experiences as East Asian Americans. Um, and so it was this collective that was already happening. You know? So like Chinese, Japanese, Indonesian people. Yeah, Korean. Um, <clears throat> most- as far as what? Like what are those experiences? In terms of family pressures, the concepts of honor, the mm. concepts of filial debt, the concepts of model mm. minority, the way that we discipline our kids, first generation that came here, and then um, like our my parents' um, generation that came here. You guys are all second generation, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so like our parents that came here and like how they taught us because they spent their puberty like and plus maybe a few years, like they formed their identity elsewhere. Hmm. So when they came here and they're teaching us, um, the way that immigration was set up in this country, um, it has it sent a really specific kind of South Asian American. That set up a certain type of ideal in our Which community. Which is what? So that's where the concept model minority comes from. Okay. Model minority. So in there were about three let's boil it down to three waves of immigration of south asian south asians into this country um i'm dusty right now on what president this was but in the 60s let's say 65 65 was the second migrant so 19 so right after the partition of india the first migration wave came and it was post cold war or ish cold war like they still wanted to down with the russians so Mm -hmm. like they were bringing in stem right like scientists and mathematicians and engineers xyz to work on these things in america so that population was coming in the second wave that happened in 65 brought in more like that 85 89-ish um the third wave was family reunification so that now brought a lot of the families of the stem people um that weren't as educated and weren't as high in income to america and that the bulk of that was in the 90s and the early 2000s so basically what happened was um the it is fact that our communities are higher in socioeconomic status they're higher in educational attainment they're higher um in the variety of these things but that does not account for having an ideal as model minority which means having the perfect house and having the perfect um like spouse and having the perfect major so that you can get the perfect job and have the 2.5 children or five children i don't know how many children what's it based off though like what's model minority based off um what's it it comparing it against other minorities okay so we are um pit against other minorities and so this concept is, is so harmful because essentially um you are now told that you are the best minority you okay. came here pulled yourself up from the bootstraps and you had opportunities just like everyone else mm. if you can do it everyone else can do it 
Well, no, because that's not how a lot of, you know, um, Latin uh, Hispanic Americans came here. That's not how a lot of African American um, families came here. They came from a really different background. So to pit us against that is uh, not just harmful for them, but harmful for us because now we're forcing our kids to have our expectation is now an ideal, which is so harmful. And our our kids also have the highest rates of depression and suicide in America, um, ethnically. Oh, that's interesting. So how does that compare against uh, other communities? Like, I think I want to mainly pin it against white and black communities because that's uh, what we mostly see and what we can compare ourselves to based off us growing up around these communities. Um, and w- like, why is that harmful or so, not? So with black Americans, um, again, as you guys probably know the background of... Um, well, let's, let's do white because okay. I think that's what we what we see um mostly and like our parents will compare to a lot right so um in our communities so first of all you guys probably experienced this growing up too there was always this cinch of like i want to attain whiteness like i want to be white especially Mm -hmm. you know when it wasn't like this like this is a great time for high schoolers like muslim and south asian high schoolers because it's cool to be of your culture it's Mm -hmm. cool to like do these different things right like now people are doing all the stuff that we were ridiculed for right on eid you know i'm off of school and like my mom's like go in and get flowers from giant for like your chachi and i'm like you want me to go inside giant with these clothes? Like what? Mm. Now, like I, it's it's not even something. I mean, I'm also older and it, it doesn't phase me. But I'm just saying, like it's a it's a better time. So that that um us trying to attain whiteness is interesting because um as model minority. Oh, let me also preface. It's called model minority myth. Um, it's not a real thing, right? Model minority is something that we have set up that a lot white America has set up too, but we shouldn't want to attain it, and it's not a real thing because there are a lot of low socioeconomic status and educationally. Uh, low Asian Americans. Okay, this is a good visual. You guys all watch Get Out? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you remember the scene when right before the bidding, right before you really realize what's happening, um, they go out and he's with um, the girlfriend, right? And they in, they're they on the patio outside. There's a large group of people, like six yeah. or seven. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. yeah. There were, I don't remember the exact number of people. Let's just say there were seven. Um, there was one Asian American man. Do you remember that? Yeah. And the rest of them were white. Yeah. That was very um, deliberately done by the director, okay? Because Asian Americans, we are uh, notorious for thinking we can traverse certain spaces. Wait, how Asian was he? Like, what Asian? He, he was East Asian American. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Because I didn't about see him. It. Yeah. So, so. We, so why was he there? He was there because so we're we're under this impression because of um, socioeconomic, because of education, because of careers that we can almost um, we can traverse spaces without being affected by racism, quote unquote. Like we can get somewhere, right? Like we can go into circles and not be ridiculed because of our background. Um, we we think so. That Asian American man was also there for bidding. Right. I don't remember the exact line, but the funny thing is, as he was, he said something that was like pretty racist, trying to win over the white people. But then some white guy said something back to him as a joke, which was actually racist to him. But it was like a microaggression. And he laughed at it, too. And so did I miss this part? Like, you guys remember this? Yeah, it was my favorite part because it's related to my studies. And I was like, I knew exactly what he was doing. and I researched it later and it was very intentional. Yeah. And I love that part because that's the beauty of it. We are told that we are this model minority, so we can go into these spaces. You can get that job. Like, oh my God, you know, like 
Abdullah, you're so smart, but you're still brown and like you're still X, Y, Z, even if you're in these other spaces and you're there are microaggressions that I deal with. I won't speak on your behalf on a daily basis, um, you know, from from people in communities like that, um, that'll be like, oh, like you're so great. Um, your English is so great for like, uh, like oh, yeah. a, a, a South Asian girl. And I'm like, <laughs> what what does that mean? <laughs> right. Like, what does that mean? Wait, like, why would the Chinese guy want to be? Black. White. That's. Why would he want? Oh, to he wanted to be white. He was yeah. in the white circle. He was in the white yeah. Circle. Uh, wanted, why would anyone <laughs> to be white? Let's be real. He wanted the like the black body. Like he was there for. That's what I'm saying. I feel like well. I feel like when it comes to minorities, I feel like East Asians have it. I'm not gonna say easiest, but like the I best will. when it comes to like <laughs> racism and things like that, or like mm. wanting to get. Well, I don't know about racism, but like as far as like you know, like with uh, for example, like south asians right they get terrorists and this and that they they get people want to kick them out of the country and like with black america there's obviously like all the things with police and uh all that kind of stuff but then with east asians i feel like they're just kind of even mexicans and hispanics they get things about border and this and that like what do the east i feel like they're the world war ii and and Japanese well, yeah, 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 internment camps. I, At that time, they were the Muslims. They were going through exactly what we are right now. I also feel like yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when I Definitely. was researching the movie, movie as well, the director kind of made a point that like, like they're also like in a way that East Asians are also kind of recognized like in that white type category. Like you guys aren't the bad ones either. No, that, yeah, that so, model minority. I'm sorry, yeah, isn't South yeah. Asian American? It's Asian Americans, right? So it includes them. Um, right. I'm saying at this time though I, this I know about time, the history and everything like that no, like Jewish still, people would be the same thing it's like yeah the, obviously they went through like the worst right, right. but uh, now now yeah. it's not the bad Asian to be. American masculinity is the most attacked masculinity in the states um, they're seen as docile feminine unattractive they go against all our beauty standards and Asian American men are ridiculed the most for that in terms of masculinity and like machoism and okay. how we like to interpret that's that. an interesting and Asian American women um, as South Asian American women as well um, so I'm um, including us as well South and East Asian American women are seen as extremely docile and fetishized fetish fetishized is I'm saying, I'm saying yes, that right. Yeah. And yeah. like seen as this exotic thing um, that's close enough to be held, but like still an other. Is so that bad? Is that bad? Like to be seen as exotic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's. So when a white person calls me exotic, that's offensive because I'm being othered simultaneously. Okay. It's like a backhanded. I thought right? exotic sometimes can be just like superior. No. When people like in 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 like hip-hop and stuff like I, I want a foreign chick like is that bad that's offensive as shit. like why am i not foreign i mean sorry why am i foreign it, uh-huh. it, like i'm an anomaly like i wasn't born here i was three months well, but i'm assuming some of y'all were born here so like for someone to come up to you and tell mm-hmm. you the soil that you were born on the language that you speak okay, the I nationality see, that you hold but you're still foreign because of your skin color and the way you look like you're being othered i guess in the context of like a song like that i guess there's for example like if a, if a hip-hop artist is saying that like they're like okay there's I could get these white or black girls, but I want something foreign, and they are holding it to a higher standard. That's a fetish, though, so, right? Yeah, but okay. Do you know, like, like I don't want to be seen as attractive because I'm this other thing that, like, mm-hmm. you want to attain. Like that, that's highly offensive. It's the same. Do you see, of- um, like, privilege in that too, though? Do you feel like we gain things from from being like put in this other category which is also kind of a cool category. it's definitely being seen as like an object still like yeah. a woman yes. as an object like oh i want a foreign like because you're not giving it any value besides it, the woman being foreign 
but it's the same it's the same thing as when when i you sh- i saw you shake your head when i said like oh for like a brown girl you have good english do you see you see what that's why that's yeah, yeah, yeah. right same thing well, right th- i guess that's like for that sounds like a lack of education whereas the other one it, is a lack of education too interesting mm. no okay it's to answer your question wait you said something i wanted to answer that i didn't mean to ignore you no it's okay oh, no, I, was, I, was saying, I was saying like do you see how privilege. we can like gain privilege. privilege from it too like because then we end up being like obviously not all of us want to be looked in this light but say you do have that exotic feature that people are looking for like now you have that upper hand i think um it's a false sense of privilege right okay because you're so you're being told you can go somewhere and you can to some extent but you can't really open up all the doors at all and you're under the impression that you can but can can anybody except for white people open up all the doors no of course not right and so that's the thing by giving us this model minority thing we're being like oh we can we're under the impression that we can go all the spaces that white people can and Mm -hmm. we're doing it on the backs of our black and brown brothers and sisters at the same time simultaneously it happens all the time in the south asian american community anti-blackness is how we thrive and how we um how we have put our community on a pedestal like in the states and that's the sick thing about model minority that like it happened through white america but now like our own community members are taking it upon themselves to be like like parents will be like oh look at us like we're different it's like no we true well speaking about communities can you talk a little bit about how you grew up and how some of that might have influenced why you took on this field maybe things that you witnessed and stuff alhamdulillah like i to each their own what they prioritize is good but i i was really grateful that i had parents that is prioritized islam over like brownness and right. south asianness like they i know i know a lot about Pakistan, like um culturally um academically but i was allowed to choose which what i wanted to do culturally like they knew that that wasn't mandated and they never pressed that on me but islam was something that we talked about more wholeheartedly and like something certain things that they would actually mandate so because of that um i was attracted to like um let's just say, uh, when I went to college, it's a Muslim community. I wanted to be part of the Muslim American community. But I experienced that... So what you're saying, I, I think I, I felt that more in college. Okay. Um, where... Mm. No what, one, being, li- being too liberal? I don't even... I'm not very conservative, but I'm very, very um, religious. Okay. And so I think that's really hard to grasp for people because they automatically are like, oh, like, you're not conservative. So, like, you're... you're like, you're not wearing a headscarf, you're not... Yeah, like I'm, I on purpose, not on purpose, like I'm, I'm, I I take upon a lot of masculine roles that like were egged on by my dad. Like my dad was like, you're one of the boys, I don't care. And even that, right, has like a gender Mm, like implication, but he's coming from a certain background. Mm -hmm. But he used to like, uh, I'll translate this, but he'd be like, like on purpose, he'd be like, you're my son. I'm I'm raising raising you like like my son. And 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 of course that has a sexist background but the, the from under- his place yeah from what he's but but in his it's, language what that means mm-hmm. is like there's going to be no difference and so i've been able to because of um my dad traverse spaces that i wouldn't have otherwise and i don't feel guilty about it i think that's the thing and i think that really bothers people um like me being loud or being opinionated i've had brown guy friends literally be like dude you're so great um what did one say he goes you're like this is a few years ago. He's like, we were, he was talking about how like you're like uh, like we're gl- I'm glad we're friends, um, but like you know I could never like have a wife like you, and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. The- a no one asked. B <laughs> B that is in a nutshell it. 
like I, I, I have felt, um, and this is nothing personal to you guys, just with South that's Asian a, American men. That's a personality men, thing, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, with South Asian American men, I feel like I make them feel emasculated, and okay. that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to, but that's a South Asian thing. With the Muslim thing in college, I felt like um, no one ever said it to me, but I felt like in certain spaces, I sh- like I shouldn't be there because I wasn't wearing hijab, because I wasn't a conservative. And so then I eased away from the Muslim American community in, in college, which sucks, right? Because you, I feel like people want to have a certain community. Um, but I just didn't um, speak to Muslim or brown people so much in college versus grad school when I found a more um, tolerant community that was open-minded. Was there any part of your experiences that then, like a part of your college experiences and all these things where you actually felt like that was happening that then kind of made you more passionate or motivated to do the work that you're doing? I think the bulk of what made me do what I'm doing is I was into mental health and then, um, so every there's a lot of reasons why South Asian Americans have high rates of mental health um, issues. Um, but one of them, um, which some, which was most, I guess, attributed to my own experience, um, is like educational attainment. Like school was really big in my family and just like being the best, like, like anything less than perfect was not acceptable. Um, and so I think that that caused a lot of anxiety and depression in me during college. Okay. And I was already in the mental health field at that time. But that was the true test, right? Because here I am advocating for a community, advocating for work um, about ending stigma and breaking taboos and sharing stories. But I still cringed at my, like sharing my own truth at the time. You know? Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a generation thing though? Because when it's like a second generation, a lot of these parents are coming over and they're working odd jobs and they're, uh, they're doing hard work doing taxis and owning like a Dunkin Donuts, 7-Eleven gas stations. Um, And then they're like, okay, I don't want you to live this life. So you go be a doctor, engineer, whatever. But then after that, does that still continue? Is it like a, is it a brown thing? Or is it like that general, like with immigrants in general, is that what sort of that mentality is? With a lot of immigrant communities, yeah, that, that they want, essentially they want you to have a stable job that is not lucrative, that'll give you money they don't want that's why creative fields freak them out right because they want you to have a job that as soon as you graduate that degree will point blank be able to um bring income financially yeah it's non-lucrative you like like you you want to set your kid up in that way so yeah all all parents are like that but in the asian american communities um it we bring in the concept of sacrifice and honor that is like the epitome of like our parents. Um, and so that makes everything 10 times worse. I was having a discussion with someone about this the other day. They were like, oh, what's wrong with like thinking that you owe your parents? And I'm like, it's different giving your parents something back out of love, you know, after graduating, mm-hmm. after, you know, I don't know, having however many children they want. And feeling like you have to. Yeah, and feeling like you owe us. Okay. Because whether or not they say it, it is a very, very widely understood phenomenon in the Desi community that like, we did this for you. Mm. We did this for you. We don't have friends here for you. We don't, we left our country for you. And it's like, but sure. Is it but is so? Were you born even at the time when they left? Like, is yeah. that a fact? Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's different doing, again, True. something out of love and, and making your, make, doing it in this way that you owe your parents, mm. which is toxic and ends up making people feel less than and depressed and suicidal and anxiety ridden. Okay, um, so so through the uh, mental health field, how do you even combat this? 
So, good question. I combat this by bringing stories. So I did research. Okay, so through your art, you're saying. Through art, but so my my academic work, um, I do ethnographic work that is interview based. So I would interview women and share stories. At that time, the interview, the, there's a way with, of interviewing that like, I'm not gonna take credit for it. Like anthropologically, like there's just certain steps that you can take in interviews that and and you know setting a consensual like environment where people will share their story. You mm. know even if in other settings they wouldn't they will share intimate things and so my thesis was on they're all confidential um but it was on um interviewing women and creating at that time i did my thesis through a solo art gallery so i painted their narratives and like had quotes um projected uh reeling through like different quotes of different women so just sharing truths so the way i combat this is literally just bringing to light things that are actually happening in our community like the podcast right like those stories are all happening we're just not what's talking the podcast about called by the way they see diaspora okay. and so basically we're just silent that's the that's hmm. the thesis of this all we're silent about all these things that are taboo in our community which is like 75 of the percent of the topics in the world we just can't talk about right like divorce and infertility and and uh unorthodox sexuality and um like i don't know like femininity like there's all these yeah. things that you're mm. not supposed to talk about so you're taking like academically you're doing you're taking your research in this field and then translating it through your art is that is that sort of the basis of it yeah and, I've, okay. I've, and I've, that's I'll, how you're tell you're i guess telling uh, stories translating it to, to the communities how do you know that they're seeing this? Like, how, how is it getting to the people it needs to get to? Because we'll see it. Right. But are Desi parents going to see it? So and how? a lot of my, I've done paintings and, com like, I like doing conversational, like, things that start conversations, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the bulk of the work is literally just, like, throwing it out there. We don't talk about this. Blank. And, and I think that um, I can only do so much in terms of encouraging people, for example, to come to my solo art gallery, like bring your parents, like things like that, which I think is great and like things that I do. Um, but open communication is one of the things I oftentimes will tie it back to, like just honesty. Um, and of course, of course that, you know, things like safety and um, things like that should be considered. Uh, obviously, not everyone can be honest and straightforward certain things um, in terms of their own safety and like life situation. Um, but I think that to some extent, breaking barriers intergenerationally means just having conversations that we just don't have with our parents. Are there other forms of expression that you want to pursue in similar fashion? Um, that I haven't already? Yeah, that you haven't already. I you mean, have your paintings. My paintings. You have a film, right? I, I saw have the film, yeah. I have more that for uh, academic films that I have not put on there. Mm -hmm. on my website essay I, so and then i do illustrations and my podcast i just humble little started i think that for a long time i was looking for a consistent um i was looking for a consistent way to marry my arts to my anthropological mm -hmm. work because the paintings um were great and i had that exhibition for my thesis my senior year of undergrad xyz but that it, it felt like it was like a cut and dry like it was like things happening separate things happening if that makes mm -hmm. sense so i wanted a continuous way and the podcast is how i i, I came to the realization that i could share stories continuously mm -hmm. and bring on conversation and keep creating conversations right even if five of the stories are exact same story just goes to show how many people are having those experiences and we're not talking about it yeah um i guess something that i would like to delve in more like continuing to make different kinds of films i do a lot of pov films so 
maybe different narrative films but those are sticky right Com- yeah. confidentiality wise and people want to share their stories but sometimes it's it's hard to be vulnerable yeah. and actually have your identity out there like that's not an easy task if there was like a drama that like <laughs> i feel like that would be so effective hmm. a dra- like a desi drama a desi yeah. drama I heard like that there is one it. out right now that's like talking about taboo issues. I don't know what it's called, but it's because I feel like that's be so effective. No, but to be honest, that's I, how it would get to them. I've had um, I like I don't watch these dramas. I don't know any of the names, but I've like my cousins and my parents. Like when I've, I've walked in and like just in one scene and like. I've seen that Desi dramas these days are really trying to tackle a lot of taboo issues. Um, Even like the one about Kandil Baloch, my cousin was Mm. telling me, he was like, dude, you have to watch this. And like a cool way, he he set it up that he watches it with his parents. So they binge watch together, Mm. which is great because it instigates conversation, right? And I think my mom was watching, or someone, actually maybe it was an Indian movie, someone was telling me there was about um, a transsexual boy and like this issues he had to go through um, in society. I don't know what movie it was, but so they're slowly surely trying um they recently had the orat march like all in pakistan Pakistan, which is cool woman yeah woman urdu yeah that's awesome um what so there's there's uh there's advantages and disadvantages from coming in any community and so what is it that we can learn from other communities whether it be something negative or positive that they went through that we should be like hey we could really use this i think solidarity okay because our community um as are other communities a lot of um south american communities are also um based on on the tenet of gossiping but i think that the like solidarity like in the black community for example it's happening slowly and surely i, I won't say it's not happening in the this american community in the second generation Desi American community. But I think the concept of just being tolerant and open-minded, um, not to take the easy way out, but I want to quote, like I went to this, um, so I'm practicing Muslim. I went to this uh, Friday prayer. So I, I, I organized the 10th annual Muslim mental health conference and it was last weekend. And um, I don't know if you guys remember um, Native Dean. Yeah. yeah. So Joshua Salam, who was um, one of the guys, one of the head guys, um, if, I, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, um, Alhamdulillah came for the Friday prayer and he is the one who led the khutbah. And like his, that was literally what his khutbah was on. His khutbah was on um, how like Christian communities and nation of Islam communities are so tight-knit and supporting of each other okay. and he i remember i like one of the my best my favorite parts of the khutbah was he's like i don't know a single um muslim that has converted um out of islam because of deen he's like i don't know a single one but i know several that have um turned away from islam uh, because of the community, community and their and like that. pressure gossiping competition hateful marks intolerance mm. right um and so, like, he, he, it's funny he said this because guys don't face this as much as girls, but he was like, he was like, you know, rather than the single time, like, the, like the first step you take in the, into the mushroom and being like, I can see this part or, like, you shouldn't be wearing this, rather than that, why don't we just, like, be nice and say salam and, like, ask about people, right? Like, how, how revolutionary is that? Um, so I think just, be, like, solidarity, like, being tolerant. Like, yeah, we... I think I'm conflating two communities right now. So I don't know if right now we're talking about the South Asian American community or the Muslim South Asian American community. But I think just in general, like knowing that people have different stories and that it's not, not, not to turn this into a preaching thing, mm-hmm. but like like even Islam says, like it's 
everyone knows this, but we don't love to practice it. Like it is not up to you to judge, right? So like hear people's stories. You can have your opinions, but it's not your place to tell people what is right or what is what is what they shouldn't be doing. Is it always a bad thing to grow up how, you know, and it, this this isn't necessarily for South Asians always, but like just, you know how some people are like, you know what, I had a strict father or like, you know, I went through all these things and I went through bullying and this and that, but it made me who I am. Is it always a negative thing then if, if you turned out to be this great person because of those experiences? I think it depends. Um, obviously, we're human and there's never going to be a perfect life. It's not like we can get rid of these things and um, be like, oh, I didn't go through anything so you're always going to go through something but i think in terms of like if our children are facing these things to such a degree um and we're shaming them and we have such unhealthy relationships with our parents yeah yeah, you'll still live you'll still get to maybe where you're going sometimes you don't you know sometimes um someone might be sexually abused and their community tells them you're not supposed to talk about it because if you talk about it you're in the wrong too how i don't know if i want to curse on this like how messed up is that right so yeah there are certain experiences that we could go through that even if we did go through it we'll be fine but there are certain people but still wrong certain ex- yeah but there are certain experiences that are so traumatizing that some people might not have been able to yeah. and even if it's a f- like there's there's obviously there's layers to this right so even if we're saying that bottom layer where ha- they have gone to through such traumatic events they weren't allowed to talk about it let's just say it's minute which i don't think it necessarily is at all how wonderful of a life could have been if they could have been honest, if they could have gotten help for something and could have seen a professional, but they weren't allowed to because, oh, you're supposed to keep, you know, your bad laundry or dirty laundry at home. Like, you don't talk about things. Like, what will people say? Right. So, yeah, to some extent, we're all going to go through something. There's obviously growth moments and there's, you know, certain identity, you know, epiphanies you have like i went through a phase where i just realized i'm so happy to be who i am i like it doesn't phase me what other people say um and alhamdulillah i'm so happy to be at that point at 24 um Mm. and i'm not special by any means a lot of people get to that point but i don't think a lot of people get to that point right now and i think that that's so harmful because there's such great people with great pursuits and like we we bring them down to such extents that like just imagine where they could be now if they hadn't had to go through that i don't know if like you feel like you've covered this but Within your research, do you feel like there's specific things that South Asian women like experience that end up having that they end up having depression and mental health issues? Like, do you know of more specific issues that are common amongst them? Yeah. So the the theme that tied all the so okay. So to answer your question, no. And I thought that I would find a theme. I thought okay. I thought there would be one reason. But like the beauty and the scary part of this whole thing is everyone had almost very different things, but it all came back to silence. It all, and that's what why my thesis was on, on it's called The Violence of Silencing. Um, and okay. like there was a subtitle, um, but it's so violent because all the issues, so I, there was, you know, one woman talking about, for example, being of a, a biracial identity and like the racism she had to deal with in her own community um, because she was half black. Mm-hmm. So there was one woman that talked about the maintenance of her um, Muslim identity. So that was the bulk of my research, the maintenance of her religious identity while pro- practicing unorthodox femininity and sexuality within her culture. Um, other people, something that comes up a lot is the conflation of culture and religion, um, but not knowing where that line lies. Right. Um, and so I think that we all have different, not that there aren't, people with the same issues there of course there are 
but there's so many things going on in our community that are all silenced that you just don't talk about and you're not allowed to work through. You're not allowed to or encouraged to see, you know, therapists. And I've seen different layers of this. Some people don't acknowledge psychology or mental health at all. Some people that do, but they say, oh, that's not our problem. Like, of course people should do it. But like when you have a problem in your own home, it's like, no, 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 but it's not that bad that I should go see a therapist, you know, but like other people should for sure. They'll advocate for it, but they don't see it as their own burden. Like, right. like we're above that. Um, so there's layers to it, but I think it all comes back to silencing and like not being allowed to talk about um, your things. Where can people find you and everything that you're doing? Um, I think you, so gunva.com is my website. You can find. That's just you? Yeah. yeah. Just That's me. awesome. So gunva.com, G-H-O-N-V-A.com. And that has um, the bulk of my stuff. It doesn't have my podcast, but the podcast you can find on Instagram, which is at Daisy Diaspora. Tell us about your name real quick, because I know you wanted to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, um, my mom was an Arabic professor um, in Pakistan and wanted to name you something meaningful and different. And so the 88th name from the 99 names of God is Al-Ghani. So my name is Ghunwa. It's Ghanwa. I say Gunva because people can't say the Ghain. Um, but uh, it means uh, the self-sufficient, the one who is free of need. And oh, uh, that's, that, that's look at cool. that. And so it's it's shaped How my identity a lot. Alhamdulillah, so. Listen, you're a dope person. Uh, yeah, I love what you're doing. You. Please you. keep it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely, you know, keep us posted and everybody that's about to follow you. Um, let us know, you know, in, in whatever ways that we can come and see your stuff and whatever if you're in the area. Uh, we have one last question that we always ask at the end of each podcast. And Amber will ask that. If you could describe yourself as any flavor, what would it be and why? That's so hard. God. I will say... I am sesame ice cream because I just tried it this past weekend and it was the per- sesame. Yeah, sesame. it was at this, ice cream. this okay. place called Thai Chef in DuPont in DC, and it, it was really so bougie. <laughs> it was so sesame. bougie. Keep Did going. they actually put sesame on the ice cream, or does it taste like sesame? I think they might have like grinded them in. There was a little bit in it, but it tastes like sesame. But it was the per- I'm not a big I'm not big on sweets. Like I just don't have a sweet tooth. I know I'm weird. Okay. So it was like savory but also enough sweet like it came under dessert but it was like different like it was mm-hmm. like not really a dessert but it still was like enjoyable and i think that's a pretty good depiction of me like i'm not what i seem but like i'm still enjoyable like you're not talk sweet to me but you're no i'm asking no, we're I'm asking, asking. We're that was asking. a question that was a question no in the, in the sweet is the 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 foundation or the the baseline of all ice creams right oh, so it may not like be place. like they're all sweet like all ice creams are sweet so like maybe i'm not like the typical brown girl but like mm-hmm. i'm okay <laughs> like i'm get to know me and i'm not like a gross ice cream i'm a good ice cream i'm just not like the same but that doesn't make me bad <laughs> i'm okay no, i still don't know what that means no but... i understood it i understand Amber it. gets me okay yeah, oh, no <laughs> no i get it because you're saying you know you're you're still enjoyable just different yeah 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 <laughs> um uh, thank you so much for coming on and speaking about this. Um, please go check out her podcast. One more time, what's it called? Daisy Diaspora. Okay. Um, and we'll link that in the description. Um, Gunva, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, it's been another week, another flavor, a little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah.